0: You are listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today I really want to do an episode on cultivating self-discipline and self-regulation. This is such an interesting topic for me because it really seems to conjure up mixed feelings in people. In over 4,000 coaching hours since I started coaching, I think one of the most common wishes that my clients have had is to have more self-discipline or more self-control so that they can stick to what they're doing, so they can be consistent with their healthy habits and achieve their goals. Does that sound familiar to you? Yet on the other hand, there is something a little bit onerous and negative about those words, self-discipline and self-control. And That's why I think it's such a really interesting topic to explore. So if this is relevant to you, you're totally in the right place. We're going to dive deep into defining self-discipline and self-regulation, how they relate to each other, and the steps that you need to follow to build both of those skills. So let's start with a question. When you hear the word self-discipline, how do you feel? do you feel a sense of discomfort or dread or that hard work is about to follow or that there's some sort of punishment ahead? (laughs) I know when I hear that word, I think of punishment for sure. And I think the problem is that we often attach negative thoughts and feelings to words. And it's part of the reason that we find it hard to do those things. So in the case of self-discipline, we're turning that into something to be disliked or feared or avoided. But in reality, discipline is something that we need in order to persist for long enough to achieve something, to achieve anything in life. For example, you know that if you're disciplined with exercise, then you'll have a fit and healthy body and a lower risk of disease. And that's awesome, right? You know that if you're disciplined with food, then you'll maintain a healthy weight and energy levels and a clear head. Fantastic, we all wanna feel like that. If you're disciplined in your business or at work, then you'll be productive, you'll get a lot done, and you'll achieve things and probably make more money. That's a good thing. If you're disciplined with budgeting and saving, then you will accumulate wealth. We all want a bit of that. (laughs) So having considered those examples How do you feel about the word self-discipline now, knowing that it's your vehicle to achieve those things? To me, reflecting on those benefits and others can make self-discipline seem more attractive and something definitely worth cultivating. And when you do this reflection, I think it will give you a better understanding of your own relationship with self-discipline and what might need to change in the future going forward. That will allow you to unlock your personal secrets to cultivating self-discipline and self-regulation so that you can do more, be more and achieve more in life. Along the way, during this episode, I invite you to reflect on your own thoughts and feelings. See what pops up as I'm talking about these things with you and see where the truth lies. Notice any resistance and notice any feelings of relief. Okay, so let's talk about those two different things, self-discipline and self-regulation. They are related and so therefore to truly define what self-discipline is, we must also need to look at the word self-regulation. They work together, but they come from different parts of your brain. If you have self-discipline, Then you have an ability to control your feelings and overcome urges. So this is much more about making decisions and taking actions in the moment when you're confronted with a certain situation. There are these strong emotional impulses that happen in your limbic system which is the primitive and reactive part of your brain. And you tend to just follow those, give into those. On the other hand, self-regulation is more about a longer term view. It's about reducing the frequency and intensity of those urges by learning to manage your stress load and recovery. In fact, the longer-term process of self-regulation is what makes self-control possible or even unnecessary. Imagine never needing self-discipline or self-control because you have this bigger picture view of self-regulation. When it comes to self-regulation, it's managed by your prefrontal cortex. That's the rational, reflective part of your brain, the part that processes your thoughts, helps you to make good decisions for yourself, and takes control. Now, all this might sound a little bit science-y, so let's look at this as an example. And I'm going to call this example the smell of donuts. (laughs) You probably will all relate to this one. Let's say that you're walking through a shopping mall on a mission to buy something and then you smell that strong, heady aroma of spicy cinnamon donuts. Now, if you're like me and most people, your mouth is going to water at that smell and you're going to start looking around for the source of that amazing smell before you've even realised what you're doing. And then you're going to see hot donuts on a conveyor belt, people buying them, picking up that fatty packaging, closing their eyes with delight as they sink their teeth into the hot fluffy donut. Am I conjuring up that image for you? And what does your brain do? It screams at you, I want some. But then your self-discipline kicks in and you tell yourself, hey, I'm going to say no. And then your self-regulation kicks in to back that up. That is, your predetermined beliefs and rationale and coping strategies come in to help. You rationalize the donut decision by thinking about your longer-term goals. Actually, I want to be consistent with healthy eating. I've just eaten a healthy lunch. Why would I spoil that with a sugary fat sponge? Sure, I'm tempted in the moment, but I know what works for me is just to distract myself. I'm going to refocus on my shopping mission and walk away from the donuts. So that's an example of using self-discipline in the moment to say no, and then your self-regulation kicking in. So as you can see, there are really two skills to cultivate. Firstly, the skill of self-discipline, which is resisting that urge or managing the urge in the moment. And secondly, the skill of self-regulation, which is where you define and commit to your own beliefs, standards, goals, and how you're going to monitor and uphold those. So that example aside, let's talk about some of the benefits of self-regulation. It sounds like a bit of work, right, to think about your beliefs and standards and goals and monitoring, and why would you bother to do all of that? Well, because self-discipline on its own isn't enough. As you probably know, studies show that willpower is a finite resource. It's quickly exhausted and so it it limits your ability to resist impulsive behaviours. But if you have the backup of good self-regulation, then you have the ability to keep your emotions and behaviours in checks. In checks, sorry. It means that you're able to cheer yourself up, find the motivation to do what you need to do. And there are two parts to self-regulation. There's your behaviours and your emotions. If you have good behavioural self-regulation, it means you can consistently act in line with your values for your best long-term interests. Even if you don't feel like doing something, you'll do it anyway. An example of self-regulation is That maybe you wake up on a Friday morning and you don't feel like going to work, but you still do it anyway because you know that you have responsibilities and you know that it will bring you in the money that you need to live a healthy, satisfying, and productive life. So that's behavioural self-regulation. On the other hand, emotional regulation is being able to influence or control your own emotions. So... When you find yourself in a difficult or a confronting situation, it means that you can talk yourself down from catastrophe, or you can calm yourself down after being angry, get yourself out of a bad mood, or avoid emotional outbursts at other people. So in other words, it means that you're not overly reactive to the situations around you. As you can see, those two things work together. The two parts of self-regulation being the behavior and the emotion. And knowing that you can regulate both of them means that you have this resilience that will help you in the short term to make better decisions and resist urges. So then why is it that we are disciplined in some areas and not others? (laughs) This is really frustrating. So let's explore the conundrum. You know, I bet that you show up to work every day. You probably don't eat lollies for breakfast and it totally makes sense to you that brushing your teeth is 100% not negotiable. All of these things show that you're using self-discipline and more broadly self-regulation. Even if you wanted to lie in bed all day and eat lollies for breakfast or stop brushing your teeth, you simply don't give in. You uphold those standards. So they're really important parts of well-being. But why is it so hard to do this in all areas? Well, for one, I think you'd be surprised at how many thousands of unthought, unconscious thoughts you have running through your mind each day. Or maybe you do know. They're so well-practiced and ingrained that you barely notice them. And all of those thoughts that you have lead to actions, which could be helpful or unhelpful. If you're mindful, self-aware, and you're watching your thoughts, then you'll be able to catch them before they lead to those automatic actions that are unhealthy. But if you're not used to catching yourself in the act, then a lot of that stuff is going on unnoticed, and it means it's harder for you to regulate your behaviours or emotions in certain areas. But if you've trained your brain also to give in to urges, that's another thing. If you're used to rewarding urges... They're going to keep getting stronger. So maybe that's another thing that needs work. Maybe you haven't made any decisions about what's appropriate behavior and what isn't. You might be starting a new habit that you've never done before and you really just haven't thought about your standards, your reasons for change, what's motivating you, how to monitor yourself, how to get back on track, so that you're not solely relying on willpower. These are all skills gaps for a lot of people and it certainly explains why so many people fail to stick to new habits. They're simply not aware of what's required to develop self-discipline and self-regulation. And that's one of the reasons why working with a coach is so important. Firstly, to learn the process of managing urges and to develop self-regulation, also to develop self-awareness and uncover those automatic thoughts and actions that are going on in your life, because we all have these blind spots. And of course, there is the accountability and support that you need to to work through both. So it's really helpful to work with a coach, especially when you're forming new habits, so that you can build and cultivate self-discipline and urges. But let's talk about the process of doing those two things because I'd like you to have a few tools for yourself so that you can start managing urges and developing a bit more of that good old self-regulation. Let's talk about urges first. There are really three things that you need to, to focus on when you're learning to manage urges. The first thing is learning to become more self-aware, the second is practicing mindfulness and the third is using self-compassion. I think the important thing to say here is that you're not looking to resist urges or to punish yourself or to give yourself a gold star for doing a good thing. What you want to do is rather reward yourself for allowing an urge and letting it pass So I wanna talk to you about the five steps that you can follow to do that. Step number one is to get into the habit of watching your thoughts and feelings during the day. Just to notice, check in with yourself and see what's coming up. Step two is to notice when you're tempted to do something, for example, to work late or to give in to donuts or not to go to the gym. Step three, and this is the hardest step but the most important, is to allow the urge, to sit with the urge in the moment and notice that you have it without any judgment and without any resistance. You're not trying to stifle it or block it. You're just sitting with it and saying, wow, I really want that donut or, gee, I really feel like not going to the gym. It's going to be uncomfortable And it's going to feel weird not judging yourself. But this is so important because it's going to pass. And what you need to be able to do is to recognize that urges are just short-term feelings that go away. So step four is then to notice when the urge decreases. And step five is to reward yourself for allowing the urge with something positive. Something as simple as ticking a box to say that you have done that thing could be enough of a reward to do it. It's a really simple process but it does require practice and if you keep doing it you're going to build an incredible amount of self-discipline just by noticing the temptation, allowing that discomfort, noticing that the temptation eases and then giving yourself a tick. Tick off the box and say that you're going to do it. You're going to feel so good afterwards. So now let's talk about developing self-regulation. This is more of a process of deciding in advance what you truly want and what feels aligned with your values, how you want to act, how you're going to monitor that and how you will stay on track. For any area that you want to change, you could simply ask yourself five questions to achieve these things and to get really clear on what's important to you and how you're going to be going forward. Question number one is, why is that important to me and what will I get if I do it? Question number two that you would ask yourself would be, what would a realistic and enjoyable standard look like in that area? Question three, how will I monitor myself? Question four what are my triggers for falling off track? That one is about self-awareness. And question five, what are some strategies I could use to stay on track when I notice those triggers? So those five questions, you might wanna go back and rewind and write them down. They will allow you to discover what you want and why and to arm yourself with some ways to check in and manage urges. Let's put that into an example so it's really clear. Let's say that health is a really strong value of yours because you want to remain active and avoid disease as you age. Let's say that you decide exercising three to four days a week is realistic for you. It would fit with your lifestyle and your timetable and it's about the right standard for you. So that would be your goal. Or could I say your habit, your behavioural goal. Let's say that you decide you're going to monitor your adherence to that schedule by scheduling exercise in your diary. That's going to be the best way. And on those days that you exercise, you're going to check in with your thoughts and feelings about exercise. So you can work out your triggers for doing it versus not doing it. Obviously, there's a bit of work there. You're going to need to check in and maybe make some notes about what comes into your mind on exercise days, what sorts of thoughts you're having. And you might notice yourself sometimes trying to get out of those workouts. For example, maybe you notice that when you've had a busy day, you start to tell yourself, I'm too tired to work out, or it's too cold, or I'm too stressed. Or maybe you're feeling emotional some days, so you tell yourself that you don't feel up to it or you feel too fragile to work out. Those are just two examples of the sorts of things that could trigger you not to do a certain habit. And it's your ability to notice that sort of mental chatter and then do the workout anyway in some form that defines self-regulation. And that's where the strategies come in. What is that some form? Perhaps you decide after some experimenting that on a busy day, it could do well for you to do a different kind of workout or to call a friend for accountability just to get you over that hump of indecision. Maybe you decide that on more emotional days, you're going to reschedule and go to a plan B session time that you had penciled into your diary just in case as a backup. These are just a couple of examples, and you would need to experiment to find your own best strategies. But you can see how all of this thinking work right at the beginning can ultimately determine your success or failure, way above the level of managing urges. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to talk briefly about these so-called standards. Something that really stands out for me in that model of self-regulation is that we often try to live up to other people's standards instead of our own. Or we may have totally unrealistic standards or expectations for ourselves because we haven't really reflected on what's realistic and achievable given all that's going on in our busy lives. So if you want to become better at self-regulation and self-discipline, the first thing to do would be to get clear on your standards, what's achievable and realistic, and also enjoyable because standards that you don't like are going to be pretty hard to uphold. These sorts of things can be difficult for some people. It might mean that you really need to step up and take responsibilities for your actions, including wins, losses, passes or fails. And while that can feel a little scary sometimes, it's way better than the disappointment at the inaction. So let's summarize what we've talked about today. Self-discipline is your ability to control urges as they come up, whereas self-regulation is your ability to control your emotional and physical behavior in line with your beliefs and your moral compass. And although you may have a negative view of the word discipline, When you combine it with self-regulation, the two are really important for your well-being. People who are stronger in the areas of self-regulation and self-discipline are more confident. They have greater life satisfaction. They feel more supported and they're able to deal with stressful situations or difficult people more easily. They're more likely to persist and achieve goals and they may not ever need to use willpower. Cultivating self-discipline Discipline requires you to be self-aware and have the ability to say no to urges and temptations without any judgment so that you can uphold your own personal standards. Cultivating self-responsibility means taking the time to set those standards, to monitor them and to develop strategies that will help you to stay on track. As I mentioned earlier, it can be super helpful for you to work with a coach So that you can cultivate those two important skills for greater well-being and a more fulfilling and successful life. And this is especially true if you're someone who typically expects a lot of yourself or considers yourself to be a perfectionist or lacks confidence in your ability to stay on track. If you would like to work with me or another coach around managing urges and cultivating self-responsibility or find out more about the topic generally, you can contact me on my website, which is www.melaniejwhite.com and go to the contact page, fill in the form and let me know what's on your mind regarding self-discipline and self-responsibility. Okay, that's it for another episode. I hope you enjoyed it and you learned something really useful that you can go and apply right now. Thanks for listening again and I will see you in the next episode. Bye for now.